Good morning, in town. It's good to be back with you after being away for a couple of weeks, and uh, feeling like uh, now my my body is in the right time zone again. It's always a nice feeling. Um, for a few, I was in Israel and Palestine for about ten days with several others from in town and from other churches, and for a few days I was waking up ready to go at 5 a.m. For some of you, that sounds normal. For me, it's like saying, aliens have invaded my body. So it's good to be back, and it's good to be back on a normal routine. Uh, this morning, we are we're starting a, a glimpse into 2 Corinthians based on the fact that uh, every human heart wants certain things. We don't have time to name them all, but here's a few of them. Every human heart wants growth. We want to become more mature. We want to become wiser. Every human heart wants belonging. I don't want to be anonymous forever. I want to be part of something. Every human heart wants impact. I want to know that me being here made a difference. Every human heart wants all of those things. We find all of these things in Jesus. And we're using these three words to summarize the fact that we find all of these things in Jesus. He does His work in us, and then we respond. The grace that's available through Jesus transforms hearts and lives. We are changed. And in response to His work in our lives, we pursue life-transforming encounters with God and His grace. Jesus draws to Himself a flock, a community of people. And we aren't all the same. We're this diverse body of people. And and among us, despite all our differences, He forges relationships that make us one body. In Him, we are known and in response to His work, we, we pursue authentic and caring community. And then Jesus sends us out into the world to carry the power with us of the kind of restoration that He's been doing in us. And in response to His work, we, we seek opportunities to serve sacrificially the neighbors, that He uh, gives to us in our day-to-day interactions with people, the broader culture that we live in, and ultimately the world. Changed, known, sent. Jesus does His work, and we respond in these three ways. We're taking time to unpack uh, each of our responses in these areas. We spent three weeks unpacking what it means to be changed, and now today we start to unpack this reality of what it means to be known. What what do we mean by saying that in response to the work of Jesus in our lives, we will pursue community that is authentic and caring? It's easy to say that, and if we let it mean everything, then everything can satisfy it, and it means nothing. So it has to mean something very specific. So today we're going to use the book of 2 Corinthians to get some insights into this reality that where, where the good news... Oh, excuse me, there's, there's, there's a slide in there that I thought would be there that's not there. 
my bad, where the good news about Jesus is at work, God creates real community. Now, we're going to hear some language in just a moment from the Scripture reading that you've heard before, and you've probably missed what it means for the kind of community we ought to be. But Paul, the apostle, is writing to a community that's very fractured, broken. Their relationships are not very healthy. And so the very last thing he wants to say to them is, we can become the kind of community that God wants us to be. Because, well, you'll hear why. Suzanne, will you read for us? A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Let's take a minute and pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be the kind of church, the kind of gathering, assembly, community, where we really mean it when we say that we want deep relationships with each other, that anyone can come here and be known rather than being alone. But it's hard to live that out. And so today, would you, would you produce your work in our hearts and lives so that we could become that kind of people? We pray in your name. Amen. You're standing outside the room. It's the first day. It might be the first day in a new workplace. And on the other side of the door are all of those people that you're going to be working alongside, and you're meeting most of them for the very first time in just a moment. Or it might be the first day of a, at a new school, and you're nervous because what if they don't like you? Or maybe you find yourself, our neighbors in St. Louis were so sweet. When we first moved there, they said, can we invite the whole cul-de-sac to a party so that we can get to know you? And you're standing outside the room, and you're getting ready to just meet all your new neighbors for the very first time. And nobody standing outside that room says, man, I hope it is cold when I walk in there. I hope that when I get there, nobody will care that I'm present. I hope when I get there, they all ignore me. I hope when I get there, I have this feeling that they all belong and I'm the outsider. That's what I'm hoping for. Because, you know, belonging, I really don't want it. I really don't care for it. Nobody stands outside that room and says, I really hope that at the end of interacting with all these people, I will feel like an imposter. They all belong here and I'm on the outside looking in. Nobody ever said that. Nobody stands outside that room and says, you know, I really hope this is the place for perfect people. I hope that when I go inside, everybody's wearing a mask and nobody's honest about the struggles that they're going through. 
I hope that on the other side of this door is a bunch of sharks who can't wait to attack me when they see that I'm bleeding. I hope this is the kind of place where everybody pretends that there's no weakness in their lives. I really hope that's what I find on the other side of those doors. Nobody ever said that. But here's a sad reality. Human beings are very good at creating groups that are cold, cold, and and where vulnerability just isn't allowed, right? We are good at creating networks like that, whether it's a family, a home, or a, a classroom, or a church, or any other kind of organization. We are good at creating places like that. That's the bad news of the world we live in. The good news is that where Jesus is at work, where Jesus is at work, a new kind of community really can be built. The kind of place that isn't cold. The kind of place where you aren't ridiculed if you're honest about what's going on in your life. That's good news. Where the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is at work, God creates a new kind of community, a real network of relationships. We hear that in these final words to the church at Corinth. Finally, brothers. Do you hear that? Last thing I want you to know, we're a family. We're brothers and sisters. What a healthy family looks like, that's what this ought to look like and feel like. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You might want me up in your face kissing you. Man, I, I remember all the mistakes I make. I have this photographic memory for mistakes. It's not a healthy thing. I remember being in Costa Rica. You're supposed to kiss on, on the left cheek. And, and I did the Argentinian thing where it's both cheeks. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Isn't it Argentina where you kiss on both cheeks? Anyway, I was in the wrong place to do the two-cheek kiss. So be careful with this holy kiss thing. But the point is, hey, guys, in the Roman world, when you see close friends, when you see your family, you kiss each other, even the men. That's what the church ought to feel like. It ought to feel like a gathering of family and close friends. It shouldn't feel like that cold, unsafe place. How can it be that way? Well, it can be a place of love and peace because the God of love and peace will be with you. That's what verse 11 says. This kind of change and, and growth and, and real community can happen because God is with us. It, it can happen because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. Verse 14. God is going to do His work, and that changes the way we relate to each other. He shows, Jesus shows grace to us, and we're gracious toward one another. The, the Father loves us, and we love one another. The Holy Spirit expresses fellowship, partnership, wanting to be with us in life, and we express that to one another. This kind of community is possible because that kind of God who is himself a real community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is with us. So what should that kind of community look like? 
Well, we could use lots of biblical phrases and words, but here at InTown, what we're going to do is really focus on these three things. When we say we want to pursue authentic community, this is what we mean. We want to be a place of warmth and safety and vulnerability. And some of you are really tempted right now to check out and go, man, this is preacher psychobabble. Mr. Warm and Fuzzy, I came here to get some hard lessons in theology, something deep and meaty, and he's just giving me the culture. I'm giving you reality. You read about in the headlines all the time, people who have committed atrocious crimes, and what do we keep saying over and over again? It's lonely people who always felt like the room was cold and had no place for them. This is the stuff of reality. This is the world we live in. One of the ways Jesus intends to heal our world is by using his church to create community that has these kind of characteristics. Warmth, safety, vulnerability. And I want you to see that this morning from Scripture. That the Scriptures show us that this is what the life of the church is supposed to be like. Now, we can't look at everything in Second Corinthians today, but we can hit some highlights. Here we go. What do we mean by warmth? We want to be a church. We want this to be a congregation where people are free to openly express deep feelings for one another and to one another. That's what warmth means, that, that we are open to say things like, well, let's, let's hear an example from 2 Corinthians. This will come from chapter 2. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have it on your phone, want to look this up for yourself, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks to his spiritual children It would help if I looked at 2 Corinthians rather than 1 Corinthians, right? I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. You hear the warmth there? The church ought to be a place where leaders are free to say, I love you deeply. And that should be normal. That should not be a shocking thing. What what did that person just say to me? That should be the norm. We, We should be a church where people feel free to say things like that. I love you deeply. Now, some of us may not always want to express it in those words. Here's two ways I've heard it already this morning. One person came to me and said, I appreciate you. Another person came to me and said, God is at work in your life. That should be normal, right? Later on in this book, the Apostle Paul says this, uh, chapter 6. A few verses there. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Oftentimes in Paul's letters, when he says we, he's, he's meaning himself. It's 
It's kind of a polite way of referring to oneself. And opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Church, it's not healthy right now. We aren't opening wide our hearts toward one another. It feels cold. It doesn't feel like the love between a father and children ought to feel. So let's open our hearts wide. This is not the picture of a cold church. This is not the picture of a community where everybody's just like, "Mm, yeah, good to know you. Keep your distance. Let's be formal. Let's be polite. Let's never say... I'm so glad to know you. I miss you when you're gone. I'm glad to see you. I can't wait to see you again. We, that ought to be the norm for how we relate to one another. So, how do we pursue this? Expressing warmth. Just saying those things to one another, showing those things. I'm thankful for you. I am proud of you. I love you. I believe in you. I want to know what's going on in your life. Can you tell me more? That's warmth. That's love. That's the kind of family that we are able to be. Here's, here's another way to pursue this, mirroring warmth. Reflecting the kind of warmth you see in someone else. Who do you know? Who has God put in your world that best models this kind of warmth? Ask him for strength to show that kind of warmth in your own life. For me, one of those examples is a man named Phil Douglas. He was one of my professors in seminary. If you know Phil and you bump into him, here's what's going to happen. He's going to put his arm around you and he's going to pull you up next to him. And he's going to find somebody else and pull them over. And he's going to tell them how wonderful you are. Because he wants them to feel as warmly about you as he himself does. And sometimes you're a little embarrassed by all this, right? But he really does love you. Do you know a Phil? Do you know somebody like that? And go, Lord, can I grow in the ability to express that for other people? Because I had this sense that throughout Scripture, you want us to be a family where coldness is not the norm. We can do this not because we're nice, but because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us. We can be like this. We can also be a church that expresses vulnerability. Where we're free to be honest about our weakness and our need. Let's, let's read just one passage of Scripture here. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 to 11. We don't want you to be uninformed brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
Here's the Apostle Paul saying, you know what? When I was over in Ephesus in Asia, I thought I was going to be killed. I thought I was going to be arrested and imprisoned and sentenced to death. And I didn't know where to turn next. I was undone. If I had a plan, it got thrown out the window. If I had a strategy, it was toast. There was nothing except desperate need. And thank God that he meets desperate, needy people right where they are. And we could see that pattern running throughout 2 Corinthians. Those of you who, who recognize this reference, chapter 12, where Paul boasts of his weakness. Right? This, this is a continuing pattern throughout the Scriptures, that we are a people who should model vulnerability. If you think in-town isn't that kind of place right now, you go first. You model it for other people. If you think there aren't enough people around here being honest and open about their weakness and need, then let's not wait for somebody else to make the first move. Let's do it. You model it. It'll be okay. You know why? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10 is true. Jesus is our strength in weakness. So we can be free to be honest about what's wrong. We can be free to be open and say, you know what? I made great plans. They have all gone up in smoke, and I don't know what to do next. You know what? I'm a maturing Christian, and this shouldn't be going on in my life right now, but it is, and I need help. And I'm going to take the first step and tell you that. I'm going to say that to someone. If you've been hanging around in town and you haven't gotten close enough to anyone yet to be able to share that way, then come on in. Come on in. It is okay. (laughs) Because Jesus is at work among us. We can model vulnerability with each other, but then we've got to be ready to move toward it. The first time somebody shares openly with us about some need or weakness, we cannot run away. We run toward it. Why? Because our shepherd runs toward wounded sheep. He has run toward us in our weakness and need, and that is why we run toward one another. And that's why our first response when somebody says, my life is going kablooey, is not, let me fix it. I got one sentence of advice that will put your year's worth of angst to rest right here, right now. No, it won't. Don't try it. We can't be fixers. We run toward and we stay there. And it drains energy out of us. And and we cry tears, somebody else's tears, and we'd rather not. But we do it because the Savior does that for us. He runs toward us in our need. He does his work, and we respond. And we run toward one another in our need. I probably shared this with you before, but it had such a big impact on me. My mentor, my pastor at the time, a man named Archie Moore, we had four kids under the age of five, and I had an anger problem. 
And it got to the point where, with shame, I have to say this. I had to say it to Trisha at the moment. Trisha, you cannot leave me alone with the children. You can't. I am afraid of what I might do to one of them. Please don't. This is not the time. I called Archie. Archie, can we meet? There's something I need to share with you. And I said to this man, this is where I am right now. I am a stinking seminary professor with a Ph.D. in New Testament studies, a professional religious person who is about to explode. And I feel like I may hurt one of my own children. Something is desperately wrong with my heart. And he didn't try to fix me and he didn't run away. And the first thing he said is, I'm so glad you shared that with me. I'm so thankful that you're not trying to fix that yourself. I'm so thankful that you said that. Can we be that kind of people? We can. Do you know why? Not because we're so emotionally healthy. Not because we're better than some other church. Not because we're especially loving and good at caring for one another. We can be that kind of people because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us. He works and we respond. All right, one last outworking of this, safety. If we're going to be warm and we're going to be vulnerable, it's got to be a place where it's safe enough to be warm and safe enough to be real. So it's got to be a place where we don't fear ridicule or rejection when we're hurting. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If anyone has caused me grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. There, There was a person in the church in Corinth who had it out for Paul and who injured the whole church in the process. And Paul is speaking to that issue. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he won't be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore reaffirm your love for him. Do you hear what's going on here? The church ought to be the kind of place where somebody who is broken, who has done something spectacularly bad, so bad that it made it into the Bible for crying out loud, so bad that it hurt the whole church, could now not be piled on, ridiculed, shamed, rejected, but restored. It's the kind of place where it's safe to mess up. It's the kind of place where it's safe to show compassion toward hurting people even if they hurt us first. Can we be that kind of place? We can. Not because we're so good at it, but because of something we were already singing. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I would gladly take my stand
That's what the word fain means. Because in the shadow of the cross, there are two wonders that start to work in my heart. The wonders of redeeming love, my unworthiness. Because I start to see that I'm so good at being cold toward people. I'm so bad at running toward hurting people. I am not worthy of being loved in this way. And yet, redeeming love is so wondrous and beautiful and glorious that it comes toward me. Even though, even though I am not worthy of it. That's the reason we can be this kind of community. That's the reason cold people can become warm. That's the reason proud people can become compassionate toward hurting people. That's the reason we can be free enough to be real with each other. Because the work of Jesus is, is creating a new kind of wonder in our hearts. And you kind of wonder at a, at a depth of love that we couldn't imagine. We can grow in these ways. We can become this kind of congregation. Why? Because Jesus is real. Because his power is at work among us, changing us. Because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us and at work in us. Let's love each other. Warmth. Let's be this safe place where hurting people don't get rejected or ridiculed. Let's be open and honest and vulnerable with each other. Because we are in love with the work of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we give thanks for you. We love you. We love all that you are. We love what you are doing among us. We love that you forgive us and pursue us even when we aren't what we ought to be. Do your work in us and help us to respond, we pray. Amen.